You are listening to the Youth Speakers Coach Podcast. This is episode 103. In this episode of the Youth Speakers Coach Podcast, Pastor Richard Crisco talks about the importance of communicating with our to students. Pastor Richard Crisco is the senior pastor at Rochester Christian Church in Rochester, Michigan. Great. Well, it's, it's a real honor and a privilege to be with you guys today. Um, my ambition is always the same. Anytime I have the privilege of meeting with people and sharing my heart, my, my hope is that when we're through here in a little while that we all will love Jesus a little bit more and uh, love young people a little bit more. And so uh, I hope that will happen. Uh, Matt, Matt asked me maybe to address on how, we, how, as a youth pastor, you can deepen your relationship with the Lord and or uh, maybe on communicating with power uh, to young people and to students. And the truth of the matter is they, is they come together, they flow together. Um, I, I have said for years, and I think I put it in your notes, I've said for years that I believe that the greatest thing that you or I could do for our young people is become a man or a woman of God because we, we can teach what we know, but the truth of the matter is we reproduce who we are. And, um, and so I've always just felt like that my number one responsibility to young people and now to my church is to be a man of God. And um, uh, I've always been an avid believer that uh, private victories always precede the public victories. Um, my prayer life will determine just how much authority that I will be able to speak to my young people with. Um, uh, it, it amazes me that you can hear two different guys preach the same sermon. One you fall asleep on, the other one has you spellbound, and it's more than just communication skills. I really believe it's, it has to do with their prayer life and whether or not they're talking from their head or if they're talking from their heart. And um, uh, so I believe that um, your ability to communicate with authority to your students is directly proportionate to the amount of time that you spend uh, in prayer. In fact, um, a, couple of, a couple of months ago, um, I, I kind of chuckled because I felt like I heard the Lord say, and I got it in your notes, that, that Jesus can't keep a good secret. Um, uh, and, and, and meaning that what he sees in that private time he will always reward openly so that the authority that, that you see displayed in people's lives publicly was actually deposited there in their private life. I, I will never forget the time when the Lord said to me, he said, Richard, you have no divine mandate to preach to people who you have not first wept and prayed over. And so there's just no way that I could overemphasize um, the, the importance of our personal prayer time. And we all know that. We preach it. But I remember I had a startling experience at the very first ministerial gathering that I went to. I happen to be AG, um, and, but this is not a slam against AG. I think this is true of any ministerial gathering. But I was just a 21-year-old man, 
and my, my pastor took me to this gathering and introduced me as his Timothy in the faith. And, um, and I remember for two days I listened to pastor after pastor after pastor moan and complain about how difficult ministry was and how stupid the people were in their church and how hard everything was and, and blah, 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 blah. And I remember laying in bed that first night crying myself to sleep going, Jesus, this is not what I signed up for. And I said, Lord, I pray that I never lose my passion for you and that I never lose my heart for people, and, and, and particularly young people at that time. And, um, and, and so it has been a, a number one endeavor of mine. It, it, in fact, I'm just going to skip down just for a few moments in your notes, and, and you'll see Ezekiel 34, 6 has become very dear to me, where the Lord is describing himself to Moses. And this is the way that the Lord described himself to Moses. He said that he was the compassionate, the gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithful, and maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. And I thought, wow, what a, what a beautiful picture of who God is. And, and, and we have the responsibility of personifying that to our young people. But to me, the most difficult part of that is maintaining love. It's so easy for us to fall in love with the Lord, and we go into ministry because of our love for Jesus. But it's so easy for us to, to allow the pressures of, of youth ministry, the responsibility that senior pastors throw on top of us, the expectations of parents and teenagers. And, and then you have your own families to deal with. Many of you may be even still in school and education and just – all of those pressures can squeeze out that, that passion and that love that you have for the Lord. And, but yet, if we lose that passion, we've lost everything. Um, I'm an avid reader I, by choice. I, I don't like to read naturally, but I have chosen to read a lot. And my goal is to read two books a week. And so... Um, uh, I want to recommend a book to you that is my all-time favorite personal devotion book. And it's not in your notes. If, if you write down anything, write this down, okay? It's a book written by Bob Sorg, S-O-R-G-E, and it's entitled The Secret Place. It might be it's something like The Secret Place. And um, it is the most phenomenal book that has... Anytime I feel like that my passion for Jesus is waning just a little bit, I'll read that book and weep and wail and cry every two or three pages. It is just amazing when it comes to just keeping your personal devotional life intact. And um, probably, probably Matthew 6, 5 that's in your notes probably came out of that book. I, I, I'm almost positive that some of those insights came out of that book, but um, this is the very first time that Jesus is talking about prayer, and um, um, I'm not going to go through this whole lesson. I'm, I'm going to, um, just because I, I want to be sure to address any questions that you have, but um, uh, I do want to cover Matthew 6, 5. This is the first time that Jesus is talking about prayer, and, and, and look at it. It says, and when you pray, it's not even a question of whether or not we pray. It's an assumption. 
when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray. That astonishes me. Jesus said hypocrites love to pray. So who gives a squat whether you got a prayer life or not? Okay, so, all right, you pray. So you're as good as a hypocrite. Who gives a squat? He says, don't be like hypocrites who love to pray. They love to pray standing in the synagogue in the street corners so that they can be seen of men. He says, I tell you, they've already received their full reward. They, they're not, they have nothing else to look forward to. They're getting all the reward from the praises of men. He said, but when you, in verse 6, when you pray, again, assuming you're going to do that, he says, go in your room, and this is his first advice on prayer. Close the door. Jesus' first advice on prayer is to close the door. In other words, close out all of the distractions that would hinder you from prayer. And can I tell you that, that you've got to learn to pull away, especially when you have iPhones and iPads and email and text messaging and Facebooking and Twitter and all of that. Whenever I go to my place of prayer, I leave all my electronic gadgets behind. I grab my Bible. I grab my, my journal. And I go and I purposely, and, you know, again, um, hypocrites love to pray, so this doesn't make me spiritual. But now I average about two hours sitting alone, quietly, without music, listening to Jesus every day. Because, but, but the key is closing the door, removing all the distractions. And I will even bring a notepad so that if I begin to think about things I need to do that day, I write it down so I don't keep thinking about it. I write it down, and I usually say, thank you, devil, for reminding me I need to do that. And I get focused right back on trying to hear from the Lord. I mean, he says, close the door and pray to your father who's, who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He cannot keep secrets. If you and I will be men and women of prayer, God will reward us openly. When we stand in front of our young people, we will speak with authority. They will know that we have been in the presence of God. They, they will be spellbound by the authority and the wisdom and the insight and the life that flows out of us. If we, if we cheat in our prayer life, it will eventually affect um, the ability to speak with authority. It will, uh, it will, our messages will be watered down. There will be secondhand messages, and they will not change lives. Verse 7, he goes on to say, and when you pray, again, do not keep babbling as a pagan does. So if you pray, you're as good as a pagan and a hypocrite. That's all that Jesus is saying. Don't pray like a hypocrite. Don't pray like a pagan. For they, they think they're going to be heard because of all their many words. But verse 8 changed my life. He said, but when you pray, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need of before you even ask. And it finally hit me one day, if God knows what I need, why am I coming to him telling him what to do? Maybe what I need to do is I need to stop and ask him, Lord, what do I need today? And then come into agreement with what he says. I, I will tell you that right there changed my entire prayer life because now I'm no longer coming to him 
acting like his boss, telling him what he needs to do, and call that intercessory prayer. But I'm coming, humbling myself before him, listening to him, saying, Lord, you know more what I need than I do. Why don't you tell me what my assignment is? Why don't you tell me what you're wanting to do? Let me come into agreement with that, and in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let that be established. So, um, you know, I've learned to do that. That's what 1 John 5.14 is all about, okay? Um, in, in, in your notes, about three or four paragraphs down, I, I learned my dad taught me uh, whenever I was a kid that the most important person in the room should be the one talking while everybody else is listening with honor and respect. You know, whenever I go into the prayer closet, who's the most important person? It sure isn't me. It's the Lord. And I need to learn to l- listen to him and give him precedence in, my, in, in the prayer closet and listen to what he has to say and then come into agreement with that. Um, there's just no way that I could overemphasize the importance of, of listening uh, before the Lord. Um, um, I, I want you to skip over in your notes again, and I, and, and I apologize for skipping over, but I just I, I really want to have some dialogue with you guys and, and not just kind of spit out another lecture. But um, if you go over another page, you'll see where I have Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Another aha moment for me that hopefully will be a blessing to you and, and, and that is, Mark penned this. He said, consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I've always heard that verse of Scripture used in offerings. Whatever you use and measure, it will be given back to you. If you look at this verse of Scripture, it has nothing to do with offerings. It has everything to do with the effort that you put to hear. He says, give careful thought to what you hear. And with the effort that you use to hear is the amount that you're going to hear from me. I think a lot of people never hear from God because they don't put much effort in hearing it. But whenever I get my journal out and I get my Bible out and I I leave all my electronic devices behind and I go into a room away from everybody and I close the door, or I go, as I do once a month for three days of prayer and fasting, and I go an hour and a half away from my church, and I sit in a prayer room for three days of prayer and fasting, and I, and I make the effort to hear from him. It is amazing how much God wants to speak. It is amazing how much God wants to uh, teach us. But, but it's to the effort that we, that we put into hearing is going to determine the amount that we get to hear from him. It is astonishing how that has changed my entire prayer life and how now when I stand in the pulpit week after week after week, I've got, I've got powerful things to declare to my people that literally transforms their lives because I've learned the importance of sitting before the Lord at long segments of time and, and giving him an opportunity and saying to him, God, you're so valuable, I'm not leaving until you speak. And it's amazing then how much he will speak to us. It's ama- he, you know, God takes his own advice, and he says this, Do not cast pearl before swine. He will not either. He is not going to be flippant and just throwing out revelation 
until he knows that you really want it. Here's what I learned about Jesus speaking in parables. The reason that Jesus spoke in parables was not to conceal truth, but to reveal truth. It was like a bait saying, there's more to learn, and if you want to hang around and and stay with me long enough, tonight around the campfire, I will tell you a little bit more, which is what happened. He was sitting down with his disciples after all the crowd left, all the fickle people left, and, and he sat there with his disciples, and he said, by the way, today I talked about the sower and the seed. Let me tell you what the seed was. And he began to explain the seed and what the ground was. And he would begin to expound. When we take time to listen, he will speak to us. And as a youth pastor, I cannot overemphasize the importance of you putting it in your daily schedule to not sit down and do sermon preparation, but to sit down and listen to God and allow him to speak unsearchable things to you. Jeremiah says this, ask, you know, call. He doesn't even say ask. Call to me and I will answer and tell you great and unsearchable things. That's amazing. I don't even have to know the right question. All I have to do is call. And he'll give me the answer and then he'll tell me the question and he will tell me great and unsearchable things. Unsearchable. In other words, I could search all through every book ever written by man, and I will not find out things that I will learn from him if I will just call upon the name of the Lord. Just call. And so um, I, I, I just would challenge you once again, and again, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You know the importance of your personal prayer time and, and all of that, and if you have some specific questions on on certain things that I do, uh, I'll be more than glad to, do, uh, to expound on that. But um, the authority that you have to speak to your young people is directly proportionate to your personal prayer life. And so they go hand in hand. Kind of, if you can just for 60 seconds um, share with us how you went from being a guy who felt like you weren't a very strong communicator to students at all to being an incredibly powerful preacher. How did you make that uh, transition? Well, thank you for the compliment. Um, if I, I would answer that a couple of ways. Number one, honestly, this is not a religious answer. A lot of it comes from prayer life. It really does. And number two, it comes from reading. Uh, when you read a lot, you get a lot of ideas. You learn how to formulate sentences in a way that is better used for communication. Um, I was so bad that my homiletics teacher made fun of me in class because I was trying to ask a question and was stuttering. And he said, Mr. Crisco, if you do not learn how to speak, you will never amount to anything more than a country hick preacher. That's how bad it was. But through reading a lot, the other thing that I do, and it's a painful, painful process, is I listen to myself preach on audio, and now I'm starting to watch myself on YouTube because our services are on YouTube. I watch myself. It is the most excruciatingly painful process. But you begin to realize certain phrases that you say over and over and over and over, idiosyncrasies that you have, you know, Listen, you want an eye-opener? Listen to the way that you pray in public. 
It's amazing how many times people say, Lord, God, Father, God, Father, Lord, God, Father, God. You know, I mean, it's, it's nuts. It drives you crazy. It's all those kind of things, critiquing yourself, um, just exposing yourself to good preaching, um, learning, observing, watching others who are good at the art, and uh, just cultivating those uh, skills. Until then, keep it short. If you're not a good communicator, communicating long is not going to make it better. It's going to kill it. <laughs> Seriously. Most people should never preach over 30 minutes. Thanks for listening to the Youth Speakers Coach Podcast. For more information about Youth Speakers Coach, check out youthspeakerscoach.org.